I don't think I would have reached the level I did in the marathon without Eric and I being so closely lined up for all those years. I was chatting with Reed Coolsat, Olympian and third fastest Canadian marathoner of all time the other day, and that's what he had to say about his longtime Speed River training partner, Eric Gillis. The two of them, both rightfully the faces of the event in the country for many years, trained side by side on the back roads just outside of Guelph, Ontario, building the legend that will be fodder for running junkies for years to come. While both, each multi-time Olympians, had many memorable moments racing, the pinnacle for Eric came in 2016 at the Rio Olympics when he, in his typical style, started off in the back half of the field picking runners off one by one through the race to move from 70th to 10th. From there, Eric spent another year in Guelph, but opportunity called back home in Hennigan-ish. and from there, he took on coaching duties at his alma mater, St. Francis Xavier University, where he's been ever since. Now, his results have been pretty rare ever since, with the last high-profile one coming from a start in Boston in 2018. This week on the Terminal Mile, we catch up with Eric Gillis, three-time Olympian, 10th place in the Rio Olympic Marathon, and national record holder. But to start the show, we're going to hear from his longtime coach, Speed Rivers, Dave Scott Thomas. You're listening to The Terminal Mile. My name is Michael Rokas, and this is a Tracky Radio production. There are just not enough good things I could say about Eric Gillis as an athlete, as a husband, as a dad, as a human being. We first met in Spain on a FISU cross-country trip. He connected with uh, Reed. And we got together and Gilly started coming and training in the summers with us and then moved after he graduated here full time. It obviously had an immense impact on uh, our scene and on Canadian athletics as an athlete culminating in his 10th place finish at the, the Rio Olympics. You know, I mean, uh, his longevity is incredible. Three, uh, three Olympic Games really durable in between and he did it with a great sense of humor and uh, I mean an addiction to chippets and running uh, the, the bike lanes route over and over and over again and uh, I'm just grateful to have worked with the guy for as uh, long as I did and to have learned from him and grateful that we still have a connection as he proceeds with his uh, profession in uh, coaching and we're, we're on the phone pretty regularly kicking ideas around so uh, hopefully it's a relationship that just continues for some time so thanks to you Eric for everything you've done for us. All right, so I think um, a fair place to start would be to discuss your your lack of results over the last couple of years. Um, you know what what's what's going on with that? For myself, I am now into coaching. So uh, the first year in Antigonish, back at Saint Evax, I was um, there was in a transition uh, stage with uh, the coaching and Bernie Chisholm, who uh, had coached here for. A few decades was um, he was in his last year, and I had extra time to uh, continue to run, and um, so I trained for Boston. And um, now that I'm a full-time coaching, I am now taking a step back from the competitive uh, running and just focused on um, coaching, and then getting enough workouts in to to keep up with uh, some of the runners at times. Yeah, I mean, did, did it catch you by surprise just how much work uh, goes into coaching? I mean, you you spend a lot of time around the sport and stuff. It, like, I I couldn't imagine. Perhaps it's one of those things that where where once you're in a situation, you realize just how many layers there are to it. 
Yeah, it is a different, um, you know, I've been around the sport for a long time, and then uh, just the role of it is is different. I've watched Dave Scott Thomas in Guelph, my coach, um, you know, do this for, for a long time, and then Bernie before before him. Um, so witnessing it and then being um, the guy uh, is, is much different. Um, so taking care of um, the details on the professional side of, of um, being a professional athlete, um, that was something that I learned to do and, and got pretty good at towards the end. Um, and that's just myself. And, you know, then you have family and on top of it. But um, it seems like a lot. Um, but once you take uh, take on uh, coaching and you're responsible for for other other athletes um, and uh, working with them, then it's uh, it's different, and uh, I'm enjoying it, and I'm definitely surprised, but I shouldn't be at the amount of work it is and, and all the moving parts that are involved. You know, this was... Uh, you know, this this was such a big opportunity for you when when it came up. It's one of those things, though, where I I know I've had discussions with with some of your some of your past teammates as well. Too, you know, just even watching some some of the marathon workouts and stuff, you could really see um, that's that's where your your leadership would would take over, and it it seemed like a very natural move to to move from where you were at in Guelph to you know taking on the on this coaching role. Is that something that you have thought about for a while? Like, even if it wasn't St. Effects, you were thinking about moving into coaching? Or was this one of those things where this was the right opportunity, so you thought you'd take it? For a long time, I thought if I was going to do anything after uh, after my competitive career with the running, that um, coaching would be a fantastic option. But I didn't get too into it because... Um, you know, I, I was always seeking to to find that um, extra, I guess, this level of focus with my own running, and I and I knew that if I if I took on something that I I probably would enjoy, that it may be distracting, which I, that's just knowing myself. I'm sure other people, um, you know, have been able to do that. So I I avoided it for quite a long time, and I was quite content with that because. Um, it, you know, you get a lot of good experiences being in a training group like uh, Speed River and and working with uh, you know Dave and all the all the crew there. Uh, so definitely gaining tons of experience and really the actual coaching bit. I I listen to podcasts about coaching and that's what I I felt like I was in the game that way. Um, and um, and then a little bit of uh, the right opportunity, the right time, especially after Rio. I, I felt like uh, I could I could think clearly. After Rio, I, I spent quite a bit of time, you know, being focused on that third Olympics, and um, you know, really, other than family and, and training, I, I didn't think and didn't plan a whole lot afterwards. Um, but once that, once I did uh, get that one in, and um, the other side of that was uh, was a lot of thought about coaching, and it turned out to be the right opportunity with um, with Saint of X. You know, looking at that at that group that you would train with, you know, there's obviously there's obviously Reed Coolset, but you know, guys like like Robert Winslow and uh, this past spring, John Mason had a huge huge race. You know, even even though you're probably well, you are you know thousands uh, thousands of kilometers away. Uh, what what did you think when you when you saw uh, you know, a huge result like that? I I was really happy for John. He's uh, he's a guy that um, 
you know, similar to a lot of us, uh, you stick with it long enough and you just start to figure things out and, um, you, you know, you can put in the same work and, uh, that you've been doing before. And because you're more experienced and, uh, and you start to uh, know what works for yourself and you just, um, you can take those jumps, um, if you stick with it long enough and you're enjoying it. And, and I did notice that I hadn't spoke with John a lot before that run, but I did notice that, um, through, um, following him in Kenya that, uh, he seemed to be enjoying what he was doing. And I tell you, if anyone's, if you're enjoying what you're doing, the chances of success are, are, and being happy with, uh, with the result is, uh, significantly increased. You know, I was, I was thinking about it on my own run the other day, but your career is, is really, one that is is made up of some some very I guess they, they they're highly publicized now highly publicized risks, uh you know just just taking the these chances that that ended up working out really really well for you, um perhaps the the first one that I can think of is deciding you know after you're done with school to to continue with professional running I mean look looking at your at your PBs they they're really really great but I have to think that there is a little bit of risk involved there. Um, what made you want to stick with it and keep, uh, you know, performing at, at such a high level? Sticking with it after university was something that, um, you know, I did it for more than one reason. And I, I think, uh, at the time I didn't realize that I was doing it. Um, um, but for, for more than, for more than that, but, um, you know, I enjoyed the scene in Guelph and I had been there through the summer uh, while attending St. Avax and so training up there in the summer and, and it just felt natural to go back and, um, you know, uh, my partner at the time, my now, now wife, uh, Emily was up for the move as well. She's from Ontario, went to St. Avax and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was doable and, uh, we, um, yeah, packed up our, our car and, uh, headed up there and, um, it just, you know, stick, part of the sticking with it, um, you know, with a big group like that and uh, great people to work with, it just makes it, it makes the process enjoyable and it makes it, um, makes it worthwhile when you're continually learning and, and getting, you know, even the, the times when you don't feel like you're getting better, you just see other people around you having success and you, you're like, I'm doing the same similar thing and I, I can tweak this, tweak that. And, and, uh, I see how, I see how it's done. Um, I think I'm close and I want to keep going. And, um, so it definitely was not a, dr- you know, it wasn't a dream of making the Olympics or anything that brought me to Guelph. It was just like, ah, I can see myself. I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now and I can continue to do that in Guelph. Uh, I think I'd, I'd like to do that. Um, let's, let's give it a go. I, you know, I, I've heard the story from from both you and Reed, I believe, uh, of you know meeting Dave in in an airport. It, uh, you you had made made some sort of big team, and the offer was put out there to to bring you down to Guelph, uh, you know, just to, to to train with the guys. Did you at that point in your life? Do you think that you would have ever? have seen what you could what you would accomplish you know over the next 15 uh, 20 years no certainly certainly to that point when I made the world University cross-country championships and that was the first major team I'd made and remade it as well and Dave was the the coach so yeah I was I was quite into running I was enjoying it and um, you know 
it was, I think I was setting myself up for, at that time, I was looking for somewhere else to train in the summertime other than in Ganesh, um, just looking to get out. And so I was, I had that mindset, but uh, the opportunity that um, actually arose with um, Dave's offer and Reed's offer to sublet a room in his, in his house, um, you know, certainly I could not have envisioned, you know, that and then continuing on for another 15 15 years afterwards, um, that's that's one of those things that's impossible to envision until you reflect back on it and how it how it all happened. You know, just a, a couple of years after that, you would you would end up making your your first uh, Olympic team, heading into Beijing. You know, I I think people know you you know more as a marathoner. Certainly, I know you more as a marathoner. But what was that first you know Olympic uh, experience like? And and you know what what were your big takeaways from that? And were you able to carry them forward to to other Olympic appearances? Yeah, that first one was very much about learning, and I was, uh, you know, I'd been on some world cross-country championships, but the Olympics and um, just understanding what it is all about is, um, it was eye-opening, um, just everybody, everybody knowing what the Olympics is and, um, you know, learning to take the the good vibes that people have from they know that the Olympics is happening and, and if they know someone that is going it they want to send their good vibes with you and um, that first one was about learning how to how to take that energy that positive energy and using it productively and and taking it you know with you into the competition and training and um, and enjoying that process so I, I learned from that first one and uh, my next two um, certainly that energy helped me a ton. You know, I, I again, I, I think the the story is is pretty well known. I, at least at least I know it in in its entirety. But you know, after that, you had this chance to to take on the marathon, and you know, Reed, Reed has definitely explained it to me and, and his whole thought process behind behind it. But when the, when that chance came up for you, what was the thought process behind it? I mean, did you see yourself maybe you know doing double duty, maybe sticking on in the five and in the ten, but also doing the marathons on the side? Well, in two thousand and seven, so a year after being in Guelph full time, I had run a, a pretty good ten um, k, you know, a personal best for me, still a ways off of Olympic standard. And I went into Dave's office, and I was think, you know, the young, I was you know, not a young runner at the time, but I had this vision that, um, um, sitting down, like whatever we talked about, it was going to happen. So I, I, I figured Dave, this was a year before the Beijing Olympics. And I said, Dave, I think, um, my best shot is in the marathon. And I had never completed a marathon. I had never attempted trained or anything for a marathon yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, really only stepped up to the 10 K the year before. And, uh, so it was just, it was a bit of a pipe dream. And, and he, uh, uh, the you know the wise coach and person he is he kind of thought about it and he said you know what Eric he just ran a good 10k and you know Olympics are a year away and we're not really focused on the Olympics but I think if I were to give you my honest opinion your best chance is in the 10k like just continue with that for another year and uh, I, you know I wasn't I wasn't surprised to hear it but I also wasn't like excited to hear him say that because it you know, sometimes reality is not that exciting, but I believed him, and uh, I thought, okay, I'll, uh, 
All right. Okay. I'll uh, put that marathon on hold for for a bit. And I loved that I did because it was all the the wrong reasons to do a marathon (laughs) in hindsight. Uh, So I focused on the 10,000 meters for another year and ended up getting getting to the Olympics in that. And and then when I did finally do the marathon, it was... um, it was a time that uh, was right for me. I think back to uh, to Reed's debut, and I guess a lot of that was done, you know, cross training wise. But I know even in talking to to Dave, there was a lot of uh, new territory cross when when he was getting you guys, you know, uh, prepped for for those first marathons and stuff. You know, like what what was that experience like? I mean, like just to be going into something that you guys perhaps weren't a hundred percent, you know, comfortable with the process yet, and you know, there's a lot of experimentation. What what was that feeling like? Yeah, Reed and I both um, we had tra- we we ended up training for a lot of marathons together. The first one he did, and the first one I did, we didn't do the same one, so we ended up kind of doing solo first. Uh, builds and um, and in, like that was I think that was a good experience for both of us uh, or for um, the, the mindset I had going in uh, to this well to my first marathon my my goal was to uh, complete it and feel like I wanted to do another one um, so it wasn't necessarily a, about performance and I took that into the workouts and yeah reflecting on that it seemed to help with um figuring them out you know I remember thinking sometimes before some of these long workouts which were twice the the tempo that I had ever done before and I'd start to get nervous like how am I going to be able to do this this is this is silly (laughs) and uh and then I'd think just um you know what let's just go figure it out and you know figure it out on the run and and not put any expectations on on pace or time for this for this workout and then and then end up being you know for this first marathon we'll just go out and do it and um yeah keep that like see if i can finish it feeling like i want to do another one um and i and i did i uh finished uh, that marathon got a you know the time was decent and uh, the experience was great um in houston in 2010 and um and i really did honestly have that feeling afterwards that like hey yeah I want to do another one of those. Um, that was good. <laughs> and, and so it wasn't any, any one part of it. It was just the whole experience was, was beneficial. You know, you were, you were training partners with, with Reed for a long time before that. And, you know, he went into, into his marathon and yeah, you know, I thought, you know, looking at at the time he he eventually ran, it, it looks like you guys had had similar similar goals. But you know, seeing his initial what I would consider to be a success coming out of that, did did that kind of give you a little bit of a, a mental boost and say, uh, okay, you know, maybe maybe I can do this. I know how this guy trains. Uh, I know what went into this. Maybe I can do this as well. Yeah, sure. I think after our first ones, I guess he did a second one for Worlds, and then by our by his third and my second we were in sync um, in training and uh, we had both yet, like I mentioned, kind of done our um, initial build on our own. So really by the time we started training for the marathon together, we realized, oh, this is just so nice to have somebody else to uh, do these long workouts with. Um, so that 
that feeling of having company out there on those long runs and long tempos. And, and then we were joined by a few other guys like Rob Watson and Rob Winslow and John Mason and Nixon Sari. So um, having guys out at you know, eight o'clock in the morning for that, those big sessions, that was, uh, enjoyable. And, and Reed and I, um, as we did on the track too, we had matched up a, a few times, but especially in the marathon, we seemed to, um, you know, able to work out together and, and help each other in the workouts, uh, that much. It happened that much more often in the marathon. So moving on from there to the 2012 Olympics, uh, the qualifier for that, that uh, that was a very special moment. I think, uh, you know, quite a few people have have seen the seen the the video that's that's attached to that. But you know, for the for those who haven't, you know, it was the the, the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, and you know, literally the crowd is is counting down as you get closer and closer, and, and you just sneak under that that qualifying time. Man, that mu- that must have been very very exciting uh, from that point. It, you know, is is that one of those moments that that you know really kind of define your career, or is that something that that stuck with you since? I do remember stepping on the line for that race, and uh, Reed and I were both doing it, and um, the weather wasn't optimal leading up. It was pretty windy, so we had done a good job uh, of, and Dave was there too, like we had a good support crew and in Toronto we had done a good job of not talking about the weather um, hmm. and we had just uh, kind of taken it at face value. We knew it was out there and we just didn't talk about it. <laughs> it was super windy in our hotel room and we just closed the curtains, didn't want to see the trees blowing <laughs> um, and I got on the line and I felt like okay, I made it. <laughs> I made it to the line and I I have not self- destructed <laughs> yet right like I have not like had the you know negative thoughts about the weather or I've you know I'm still in the game so at that point it was like a, a weight was released and I just was started to get curious about what now I could do in the race because I made it to the line and I actually have like energy to race this thing even even in not perfect conditions um, so that feeling of being on the line and being interested on like what I knew I was going to give it my best effort and I was interested to know what my best effort would be at the end of that race and and that was a that was something that I remember clearly now like and I and I tried to replicate um, you know just or was it it was something that I wanted to have on on the start line of every race afterwards. Just that curiosity of of knowing of, of wondering what my best effort would do, and and uh, that that really helped in the race where I you know I was at 300 meters to go, and I needed I saw a clock and I needed exactly one minute to get that standard, and I started thinking about what a 300 meter track time would be uh, in a workout and I thought what's the point like I can't uh, I'm not in control of like that's not going to help me what a what a track time is this is at the end of the marathon so just give it give it everything you have and and if you don't hit it like if you run 101 uh, for the last 300 like you don't want to have those regrets afterwards so I just I just gave it that and I ended up um, yeah like squeaking under that that time standard you know, looking at that, it's uh, that would be 
roughly no that would be exactly you know 320 kilometer pace I, up until that point i would have thought you have been you know hitting that quite routinely but you know there's that little bit of incline going in and who knows how how marathons go i mean they can go any sort of ways did, did you did you know that you're going to get it at that point uh for that particular race i had run uh 312 uh sorry 212 um something uh, 08 maybe the year before so uh i had to take approximately one second off per kilometer um and just the way i felt in training like i felt like i could do it um i felt like it was it, that was possible and um what i didn't know is if it was possible in the the conditions of race day but um, the nice thing about the marathon is you know it's just one day um you can't wait for you know two weeks later and hope for better conditions. It's, it's, it's only happening on that one day. So you got to make the most of it. And, um, that was a mentality that I brought into the marathon that I didn't always have in, in track races. You know, you talked about, uh, Beijing being a real learning experience. I, you know, I, I would almost say that, that London would, would kind of be that, that way as well too. I mean, it's a, it's an entirely new event, um, you know, but you, you had some, some pretty good company there as well too. What, what was the 2012, uh, experience like, and, and what were the goals like, uh, going into the 2012 Olympics? Yeah. 2012 Olympics was, I'm going to make the most of this Olympics. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, again, I've learned a lot for over the last, over the previous four years, I felt fortunate to, to make the team again, like, you know, just squeaking squeaking under that time standard and that was that was a cool experience but i i really wanted the uh, london olympics to be uh, an experience that i was proud of enjoyed and and got some um like prepared well for the race and executed well so i uh i was really patient in the race and um not uh so much concerned about um about where I was placing wise because the marathon, you know, they say you, you race the marathon, not necessarily the competition. So I, I was racing the marathon and uh, I'm glad I didn't know a placing in the first five or 10 K cause I was back in 70th <laughs> and, uh, but I was just managing like how I was feeling coming in and there was some, you know, everyone has something that they're, they're kind of focused on, you know, that, that reared its head during the, the build and I was dealing with that and, and just pacing, you know, to make sure that uh, I finished the race uh, strong. And, um, and that worked well because it was surprisingly warm for that one. And uh, nobody was really expecting London to be warm. Um, and uh, me being uh, conservative early uh, seemed to help because I, I was only, I was able to pass quite a few people the second half, and I was only passed by one guy uh, the second half. So that was an interesting and valuable experience going into Rio to, mm. to know that that pacing in an Olympic marathon when it's warm, um, you know, getting that, that pacing right the first 10, 10 or 20, first half of the race, um, you know, you can really make up some ground in the second half if you, if you get it right. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that seems like excellent foreshadowing for what would happen happened in Rio, you know, a couple of years later. Um, I, again, you know, I've, I've heard the story from, from Dave before, but it would, it'd be really interesting to, to hear it from your perspective. You know, you're, he was out on the course and, and he was giving you, you know, placing and, and splits and, and that sort of stuff. 
you know, the difference between what he was telling you at the beginning of the race to, to I can only imagine what his excitement was at the end, you know, walk me through that race. Yeah, going into that race, I, I knew I was in, I knew I was in personal best marathon shape. Um, just my workouts had just been going consistent and, and like, you know, from, from being experienced enough knowing that, okay, I think, uh, I think this is shape I've ever been in. And a couple of times, maybe twice, uh, the whole build up to, I talk about, uh, Rio and specific placings and, uh, it was just short conversations, Dave, you know, after a, a big workout and it went well, he's like, I think you can, Eric, I think you can be top 10 at Rio <laughs> and mm. at any other time in my, uh, career i i think that would have um that would have did me in and i would have just thought about it too much and but i was you know i was confident in my fitness and i was confident that if anyone's going to tell me that that dave's the right person to to tell me that and so i just kind of stored it away and and then the next day i wasn't thinking about it but i it was there and it, um so i had that in my back of my head and a little bit of strategy going into the race um but i also had the experience of 2012 in london where i knew that i like pacing was so important at the the first uh the first half of the race even more so than placing like where i was placing and sure enough i kilometers into to Rio, I was uh, in 70th again, but uh, <laughs> the big pack was right ahead of me. Um, and then I had heard some placings after that. Dave was Dave was out on the course on a fold-up bike and motoring around, and he had yelled some placings about 50th and then 30th, and then I think maybe 26th is last, 30th or 26th um, placing I heard, and it was around 30 32 kilometers and I had passed a few more guys but uh, there was a couple of um, fellows that I had hoped to pass some um, Callum Hawkins is the type of guy that I to be top 10 I got to pass him and um, and uh, I, I didn't I wasn't passing him and, um, and I didn't see him didn't see him wasn't passing him. another guy from the states I've told him to pass and I uh, didn't see him either and uh, so I was getting a little frustrated that I wasn't seeing those guys and didn't know where my placing was, but I knew I was passing guys and feeling good, and it just kept me hungry to try and get up further and further to, to try and pass those guys. But um, then a kilometer and a half to go, Dave yells again. I hadn't heard him in a while, and uh, he's like, pass one more guy and you'll be top 10. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, that was quite a surprise. Um, and uh, I saw an Ethiopian uh, runner ahead of me, and he was – from his uh, from his form, I could tell he was bonking. So I thought, oh my goodness, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get him, and uh, that means holy, I'll be top ten. Uh, and then I started thinking, did he say top ten or top twenty? So uh, <laughs> that was in my head for a kilometer. I made the final turn, and on the scoreboard it said uh, Callum Hawkins in ninth place, and he was. Uh, uh, and then there was nobody between me and the finish, and that's when it uh, that's when it became real. Okay, he said top ten, and um, it looks like I'm going to do it. So, um, yeah, being that surprised about like my performance at the end of four, 42 kilometers was, uh, was one of the things that, um, was cool about the race, you know, having that delayed kind of having that delayed surprise that, um, this is actually happening and I didn't, didn't realize it until so late into the race. Um, that was, so when I crossed the line, I had still just been processing, processing it. 
I I I remember it pretty well. I mean, watching you come around around the corner and them describing you as being in tenth, or, or maybe I'd counted the people, but it was just one of those things where it just you know was was one of those moments that that felt so special. And I I I remember talking to to Jeff Harris, uh, Olympic eight hundred meter runner, also also an East Coaster as well too, and and he said something to the effect of you know they. In Anaganish, they should should be hosting you a parade, and uh, you know, like there's just so many people who were so excited about that result. Is is that one of those things that that you're finding now that you're back in Anaganish? Is is that something that they've held on to? Is that something that they remember? Do they appreciate just how how big that is? Certainly, right afterwards, I got a ton of um, uh, you know. A ton of messages of uh, support, and you know, it worked out well being in a similar time zone. So um, I was surprised at how many people were able to to catch the race on uh, CBC, and not just say they saw the result, but actually say they they saw the race and had watched the race on Sunday morning. Um, so that was that was a nice treat to hear people back in Canada talk about um, you know watching the race on TV, and uh, yeah, it. Um, it was um, Anaganish is just it's just the right size town to be um, very supportive of all uh, all sports and you know anybody anybody that's doing well in anything um, you know it seems like the community knows who they are and you know whether it's sports or academics or whatever um, you know people pride uh, themselves in in being able to say uh, good luck or nice job and uh, that was that was fun to hear from from Anaganishers and uh, folks from across Canada once I got that uh, got that run in. You know, I uh, I have to think that that probably John Mason will will be in contact or or maybe the other way around. Uh, you know, from from one warm running uh, marathon to to another on on a big stage. Ah, man, have, have you have you thought about that? You know, like what what Doha is going to be like with them starting at midnight and that sort of stuff. How would how would you attack that? Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Starting at midnight, um, I had seen him when I was up in uh, Ontario. I was in Guelph for a few days, first time, been back in a couple of years, and was fortunate to, to go on a run with John. And uh, yeah, we chatted a little bit about um, how yeah, you almost can't prepare for it and just go into it um, jet lagged, so that you. Uh, so that you feel like maybe it's in the morning and uh and then just use all your i mean when i was when i was strategizing for real i just you got to use what um your experiences already are and uh that's he's coming from southern ontario where it's plenty hot there in the summertime and um you know pacing how how he's paced himself uh in previous workouts and in the warm weather and just being you know an experienced marathoner now he'll uh, he'll figure it out and that's part of it is just figuring figuring out the uh the race once you're into it you know you're you're back in Anaganish now and you you have these athletes including someone like Angus Rowling who's who's just so incredibly talented um you know, I have to think that that's something that you kind of bring to the board you know the basically I've been where you've been um you know just you know dream big keep at it that sort of stuff is is that an attitude that that you find that you you can bring to the table and is that something that they get from you as well too yeah sticking to the process uh that's what um 
that's what folks were really good at in Guelph, Dave, and, and uh, all the all the runners, you know, and just the support staff that um, that are there um, day in, day out. Like everyone's doing the same thing, sticking to the plan, and um, it's it's good to dream big. I like that. Um, and then once you do that, it's like storing it away and just putting it. Uh, putting it all in perspective and, and then doing every day and figuring out and uh, putting in the work. Uh, Cause that's what I witnessed when I was there in other places is the, the folks that are consistently putting in the work and um, figuring out are the ones that uh, are best set up and prepared for, for races that, uh, that never go as planned. Uh, so there's always that element of, um, of using your experience and, and making it work in the moment. You know, uh, one of my favorite books from the past couple of years was Runners of the Niche by by Alex Sear. Uh, just a fantastic book. You re- you wrote the uh, you wrote the forward for that. Uh, what what were you thought? What were your thoughts of the book? I mean, you essentially lived that book in, in perhaps a different time. You know, what did did you read some of the experiences and, and were like, yeah, no, I I kind of remember that, or was it kind of a, a different experience? Oh, I I. Re- I really enjoyed Alex's writing before he he wrote the book. He had been, um, I'd been back following um, Saint Avex uh, running through his blog and some of the social media stuff. So I was I was enjoying. Uh, I knew I would enjoy his book before, just his writing style and, and then the experiences that uh, that were in the book. I mean, yeah, like all just brings. I think it could bring anybody back to university days. You know that age and. Um, dreaming big and holding on to it for a while and and maybe maybe too much at times but like you learn a lot through that and you do it with guys that are become great friends and continue to be um so it just being from Anaganish running at Santa Vax and then having just the familiar area names and same coach Bernie uh still at it and um similar you know coaching style workouts and it just the whole thing was a treat to read. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, knowing your, uh, you know, the competitive drive that that you must have. Um, you know, what what are the goals that you have as as coach now? Where where do you see the team in you know five or ten years? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I'd really like to be uh, a coach that is able to take a distance runner, middle distance runner, any athlete that, uh, that is at Santa Vax in, in track and field or, or, uh, cross country and, and allow them to develop over four years and, and feel like they have, uh, they've got something out of the program that they can take on for the rest of, um, their competitive uh, or, you know, even just recreational days as a, as an athlete, as a runner, as a, and as a person. So our, our goals, um, you know, to build the program up, uh, Bernie's had success in the past. He's won medals at the sport level. So really getting back to that level, um, to be consistent at the sport level. I'm, I'm, uh, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of, uh, recruiting, which is new to me. And it's a lot of, um, uh, figuring out um, what is what is possible, and uh, that's that's what I'm I'm keen to do, and am doing, and uh, I've got a great group of uh, runners right now, and uh, building on that, and then uh, yeah, eventually getting getting back up there to the uh, to do what Bernie has done in the past, and that's win medals at the U Sport level. 
Well, you, you know, you've uh, you've certainly been there before, especially at the the CIS U Sport level. Um, you know, now that you're moving into this into this new phase of of say your running career now, uh, you know, what are, what are those goals now? Ah, uh, yes, they they fluctuate. Uh, my <laughs> my big thing is to um, to enjoy running for the the point of running, and to you know, if I'm if I'm a happy, healthy individual, it's it's better for my athletes. It's better for my family. So to fit running in into that equation, and um, and then every once in a while have uh, some some personal goals. So whether that be Cabot Trail Relay or uh, the local uh, Highland Games Five Miler, uh, which I competed in this past weekend, um, you know those things are those things keep me fired up enough that um, that I can you know, put that, uh, training to, to a, have a purpose for it for, for a little while. But I, I really enjoy just every, every run that I get on. I feel like I can always get back to that or work towards getting back to that mental state that I had with, um, when I was, when I was doing it more professionally, um, just getting into that flow and working on form and, um, you know, whether it's 20 minutes or, you know, two hours of running, I, I enjoyed that about, I enjoyed figuring out how to get to that level uh, when I was uh, doing it full time, and now I like to maintain that and keep keep in touch with that, so that um, that I can go out there and and, and uh, you know even if I'm not running for two hours, but I, I feel like I I am a similar runner in that sense in the mental state. Well, you know, there's. Uh... I th- you know I I think an appropriate way to to end this would would just be to say you know thank you for for everything that that you've done for the sport and uh, you know you've you've gotten a lot out of it and you're continuing to get a lot out of it and that's uh, that's honestly so great to see Eric um, I'm I'm glad to see you doing so well as a coach as well too and you know th- thanks so much for for taking the time and, and being on this on the show this week. Oh, I really enjoyed the chat, Michael, and thanks for inviting me on the show, and I appreciate uh, all the kind words. Thanks a lot. Hey, Eric. This is Alex Sear. Um, would have told you this when we watched Safan Hassan break the mile world record together the other week, uh, but uh, thought it'd be best to wait for this post. Um, first, I want to congratulate you on such a long and illustrious running career. Uh, anyone can test me on this, but I think I'm right. I don't think any Canadian Olympian has put in as many miles over the span of their career as you have. Um, so congrats on that. Must have something to do with the wheel pizza in Anaganish, uh, which I clearly did not eat enough of in my time there. Uh, secondly, I want to wish you luck on the second phase of your career as head coach at St. Effects across country and track. Uh, it's really great to see the, the program going from competent hands to equally competent hands. And I can't wait to see how you keep growing the culture over there. I know you have the attributes to be a terrific coach, and it's really good to see you grow and develop uh, in that sense, too. As for me, uh, you went from a blow-up uh, posted everywhere in Bernie Chisholm's office to a friend and a mentor. Uh, so thank you for you know the impact that you've already had on me and my career. It's great to see you, talk to you every time I get to do so. And uh, wish you the best to you and your family on the Pitchfork Road in Anaganish, and hopefully see you soon. Eric Ellis was a quiet leader to me. He recruited me out to Guelph when we were both in Vancouver for the Sun Run, and he just simply asked me, when are you moving to Guelph? And at that time, I didn't know that anybody knew I was even considering, as I had only talked to DST. 
Once I got to Guelph, he made me feel a part of the family. He welcomed me to every practice. We met up very frequently for runs. I even went to his place for dinner a couple times and even hung out with him and his kids. So uh, he did a fantastic job of just making me feel welcome to the city. And when he left, that hit me in the chest a little bit harder than I thought. But I know that life moves on, and I'm really happy that he took that opportunity and seen effects. So that's just kind of the way it goes. But outside of that, he is a very professional individual, and he's everything you would expect from an Olympian. He worked hard at every practice. He just focused on the moment. Uh, he would never give anything up in practice either. Like, if you were to be leading an interval, you would have to be fit, and you would have to be fitter than him. So um, it, there was nothing easy to be taken from our day-to-day work, and he really did a good job of allowing me to be patient with my training, and he gave me this perspective to just trust the process and focus on the day-to-day work at hand and then just kind of go from there. So. Uh, I'm very thankful of his leadership skills and uh, for the individual that he is. He's just mellow, he's kind of silly at times, um, and he's just a really, really solid guy to be around. So uh, I'm thankful for my time with Eric, and I wish him the best moving forward. We just heard from Trevor Hoffbauer, the 2017 Canadian Marathon Champion and an old training partner of Eric's. Before him was Alex Sear, writer of Runners of the Niche, the story of a year training at St. Francis Xavier University. Eric wrote the foreword to that book, and I would highly suggest it a very, very good read. The biggest thanks to Eric, not only for being on the show this week, but for all the inspiration he's provided to runners across the country. I vividly remember finding out he was 10th while watching the broadcast. It was a feeling that I don't think I'll soon forget. Again to Eric, Best of luck as you move forward in this new part of your time in the sport. Thanks to Tracky as always for their support. If you want to find us online, we're at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter. And we're on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to shoot us a subscribe, a follow, and maybe leave a rating as well too. My name is Michael Rokas and you've been listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Yeah.